Probably science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I am Eddie Wood. And I'm Jesse Case. We've got a returning guest. It's been a while. Back in America. Although <laughs> there's no need for you to be that given we're recording remotely. You didn't right. come over just to do the podcast. You came over for all sorts of other reasons. Yeah, but it's no, a fantastic Tara Flynn. That's Tara's voice. Hi. Hey, Tara. Hi. Hi, guys. I, yeah, I came over especially and here I am in a closet in Silver Lake. I don't know what's going on. This is <laughs> mad. That's not a metaphor, right? <laughs> no, it's literal. <laughs> <laughs> You can come out as being from Silver Lake. There's, there's, there's nothing to be ashamed of these days. I would love to be from Silver Lake. I should be so lucky. It's uh, How's your trip been? How's- it's It's been lovely. It's our first big trip since the pandemic. And my husband, Carl, is from here. So he, it's been really lovely for him to see everybody. And, uh, you know, it's just been a weird few years for all of us. And yeah, it's been great to be back and see people. It's so lovely and have some sunshine. That's been nice. Well, I'm so glad that the news cycle has calmed down. <laughs> right? You know, I'm so glad it's, so it's finally dumb. over and we can <laughs> relax and <laughs> everyone can just chill out. Um, I, no, I, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was just going to say that we're all no longer in a state of existential dread. It's really lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just no fears about anything. Zero. Um, yeah. Now, uh, Tara... I would imagine COVID, if I remember correctly, because I have quite the memory, uh, you can't smell anything, correct? That's right. Yes. yes no that sense is of smell. True. Zero. Yeah. Zero. Zero at all. Yeah. Unless I can, if it's like smoke that's quite dense and I can taste it. If I can taste the smoke, I know it's there. But yeah, unless okay. it's tasteable, no. So is it hard for you to figure out if you had COVID? Or you already just out of the gate have a symptom? You know? Well, I, I reckon I had it the very first couple of weeks of lockdown, like in 2020, um, because I had that classic cough and I had a fever. But two days before, I could taste a sort of metallic taste in my mm. mouth. So, yeah, so I reckon it was COVID. But back in those days, back at that early stage, you couldn't get a test. It was They were being saved for um, people in, in really dire need in the hospitals. So... I'll never know for sure, but I did get that metallic taste in my mouth. So, yeah, I guess I compensated in some way. Mm. That is a symptom. I haven't heard that. Um, I don't know, but I guess if it, if it affects, affects the olfactory I, nerves, then, yeah. I think, it's, um, I think it's from the cage that they put you in when they right. think you're infected. Yeah. Okay. Look, all I can tell you is something was happening in my mouth that I can't explain. <laughs> it was yeah. metallic. And it was... Been there. <laughs> is it you metallic know? taste also a uh, stroke symptom or is that smelling toast? I don't know because this is the thing. I hope it's the taste thing because then yeah. I have adequate warning. Uh, but yeah. if it's the if it's the burning toast thing, I won't know unless there's actual toast burning coincidentally at exactly the same time. But then you wouldn't know because you can't smell. Oh, but you can but smell I'll, toast. You can smell smoke. No, but if I if I can taste the smoke, or if there's you know my eyes start to sting, that sting—that sort of thing. So I'll, okay. I'll need someone to follow me around at all times, predict a stroke for me, burn the <laughs> toast, blacken the air, and then I'll know. No, it's I guess not that'd like... be the one upside of having a stroke if you have no sense of smell, just to get to know what toast is like for the first time. <laughs> Lord, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. I think we're, we're getting the procedure out of order. It's not like tearing up sheets when someone's going to deliver a baby for some reason. You don't put toast on when you're having a stroke. It's. Well, I thought you did. I thought if someone okay. has a stroke, you have to put on some toast. Maybe that's... You have to... <laughs> that's... FDA just announced it, yeah. That's what you do. You have breakfast. Yeah, yeah back it's... in the olden days when people Times had of the servants... Essence. 
Yeah, uh, back in the olden, olden days when people had servants, they would just say, put on the stroke toast. <laughs> uh, his, his lordship's not feeling well. Open up the stroke cabinet, take out the stroke supplies. <laughs> so I have a quick COVID story, you guys. Um, Matt, if you were feeling like uniquely screwed by being stuck in a foreign country with COVID, I had a visitor two weeks ago from Winnipeg. I forgot if he was here when I recorded last. I forgot if I told this story since we recorded. Did I? You have not. I didn't know you had any Winnipeg connections. I ha- well, a friend of mine who produced. I've, the- yeah, I've known you to. I've known you to be famously Winnipeg lacking in Winnipeg <laughs> connections. Famously, well, I was, except for two friends of mine who ran a comedy festival up there. One of whom also helped with the original organization of Bridgetown through that message board we've talked about. But uh, my friend Kevin and his wife came down just to escape the cold for two days. It was going to be a two-day trip here, one day in Palm Springs. Second day here, he's like, you know, I got a couple, I got a little sniffle. I feel like I should, and I'm like, I'm looking up the stats on San San Bernardino County, so hard to say without slurring it, Uh, and (laughs) a county of 2.2 million people. There were like 200 new cases the day before. I'm like, your chances are so low. It's not that. Of course, I'm not doing good math because that's like, because so many people have already had it. So if you haven't had it, your chance is way higher. Sure enough, he had it. His wife didn't get a positive. She got to fly back to take care of their 18-month-old. He spent two weeks living in the desert with me until he finally flew out last night. Five days of which he was alone here. So he got to experience a little of my COVID two years. Was was he like ill through that or was it just no, really mild? Really mild. Yeah, he just had sniffles for two days and then just stuck in the desert. But I was like, you know, this is we can make the best of this. It's warm here. It's like spring has sprung out here and probably beats negative twenty. Yeah, it's not a horrible place to isolate. I think it worked out pretty well. But that's my second visitor who had to stay for weeks because of I had a friend in twenty twenty who was coming out to see his mother in Victorville, and then she suddenly got scared of seeing him. Not that anybody had a positive test, but he just ended up staying at my place for two weeks and we watched a ton of uh, Jeopardy and Chase episodes, which I think was part of why I was prepped for that future appearance on it. But uh, the, the UK has COVID infections have jumped by a million in a week. What? Woo. Yeah. yeah. Going off the rails what? over there. Wait, is this the BA2 thing or what's... Yeah, but well, it's, it's also the UK declaring COVID's over, so... Mm-hmm. everything's quite, good everything's fine of, uh no yeah. need to do any kind of precautions that we're all fine now uh so <laughs> here's a million extra cases you know, one in we- 16 people in the uk currently have covid currently wow. wow um i'm looking at the u.s charts they're still very good but i don't know whether to like the news is so alarmist that i don't know if we should actually be worried about the ba2 thing or if uh europe seems to be spiking but the u.s is still on a decline so that's positive well, I think negative, we, negative. we, I mean, BA2, I think that if if you've already had Omicron, you're you fairly well, that. I mean, you could maybe get it, but you're fairly well protected. Right. It wouldn't be harsh. Right. Um, so as I understand it, we had such an Omicron wave that maybe yeah. we'll be spared a horrible time. Um, Interestingly, yeah. we, we also just crossed a milestone that was totally skipped by the news. Maybe it wasn't. I didn't see it, but um, I'm guessing because of Ukraine. But we just crossed a million deaths in the U.S. And that was very little fanfare for that. What kind of fanfare would there? I mean, there were. I remember news stories at every at the first hundred thousand. Oh, I thought was, I thought you meant like a parade or something. Like we'll get like a marching band. Fanfare could be negative, can't it? I don't. I know. suppose I don't, I've always associated fanfare with um, just a, a great yeah. time. Yeah, you, you just have to turn the trumpets upside down if it's a sad news. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fly the trumpets at half mast. <laughs> but yeah. um well, I'm glad I you was, got to hang with someone for two weeks. I mean, it was he was like apologizing. I'm like, no, I, I'm alone out here. This is uh, this is very pleasant. So, 
yeah this is this site. is basically his his covid prevented you from really getting into some deep conversations with that beach ball that's your friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> or or catching up with tony and nancy clancy we haven't had an update in a while i don't know if nancy's still in the hospital i don't know if their house is actually getting foreclosed or not but uh, maybe I haven't told you any of those. Um, no, oh, no, yeah, yeah. it's hard to catch to catch you up. By the way, I think you, you're 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 very out of the loop on this one. I, I'm so, fascinated. I I can't wait. This is awesome. So 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 to fill you in briefly, what you what's happened in the time since you were last on the show, um, Jesse got and then was treated for cancer, uh, and he now lives in Nashville and is hopefully coming back here soon. Amazing. Andy was. Andy and Jesse were both kicked out of that house that you came to in the valley because the house got sold. Well, so I me, thought that to, house was forever, and that household, I thought that was forever. So I'm, I'm absolutely oh, well, that, that, shocked. That house by, has ended up having quite the journey as well. That house, yeah, that house has been through a lot. Purchased by Mimi Rogers, actress Mimi Rogers, who now does house flipping. She added on an additional four thousand square feet, built a three-story mansion there. The, the old house is now the pool house, and the pool house is now the main house and significantly bigger. Ooh, and then is... it was sold for like five million to a uh, notable, a very, yeah, TV. very famous comedy. It's Dan Harmon. We've said it on the show multiple yes, okay, times. Yeah, Dan, Dan Harmon, Harmon now lives is the in house. The old house. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So that's happened to that house. Meanwhile, Andy moved into West Hollywood into an apartment. Um, but then just before the pandemic, bought a place in Joshua Tree to be a kind of like holiday home Airbnb thing. And then COVID happens and now he lives there. Mm-hmm. That's a great, great place to have. And, and Jesse, how are you doing? How are you doing health wise? Uh, you know, I'm doing OK. I have to. Um, it was it was a very it was very aggressive. You know, it was a very aggressive uh, cancer and and. Um, but when you're youngish, I mean, I was 29 when I got diagnosed. Um, they can really kick your ass with the treatment, you know. Um, so I had a good outcome, but I mean, you know, there's still some. I, I would say all the lingering effects are from the treatment, not the cancer itself, you know. Wow, that's harsh. I'm so sorry, but I'm, I'm glad you. Oh, it's okay. okay. It's better than uh, the alternatives, I suppose. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'll take it. Um, yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm still in Nashville because I was going to come back to LA, and then of course there's a, a pandemic, so I have an empty house living in Joshua Tree. Andy and I always have to live together. We decided <laughs> we're just going to do life together. You and Andy, this is what I thought. It, you see, yeah, yeah, sort of a Bert and Ernie situation. We don't we don't really <laughs> explain to people uh, what it is, but <laughs> I um yeah, so I'm paying rent in his place. Uh, just but it's you know I still haven't made it out. Uh, and then Matt um, finally got a girlfriend. Matt's had sex. <laughs> well, I know we've got a girlfriend. Hey now. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt's I'm, 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 I'm hopeful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someday. Um, we've had to postpone the wedding a couple of times because of COVID, but one day it's going to happen. And I've woo-hoo. been reading some manuals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure the guys can help you, Matt, if you need any pointers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Jesse can. I, I'm lost here. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't know what to do. Jesus Christ. It's been a, it's like, a, it feels like someone else's memories have been implanted. When I remember like before the pandemic, you know, I have all these memories and I'm just like, nah, it's not me. That's some other guy doing all that stuff. <laughs> not, not that type of, it's never been, uh, never mind. It's not important. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's life is so different. It's just so different. Yes, um, everything is different. And, and Tara, I think this was brought up because I was mentioning my neighbors in the desert who are very quirky. And uh, the listeners have heard two years of stories of 
Tony, the self-proclaimed ninja, he says he trains the local Marines. Uh, not None of this is true. He's just a classic bullshitter, um, which is difficult when he starts to tell you things about his health and his roommate's health because you're like, wait, is this also bullshit? Like when you oh, said wow. you killed a guy with his own gun like Steven Seagal <laughs> and then like, yeah, I but I think that there there are health issues going on and house foreclosure issues that are real. So it might oh. have a less happy ending than it might have before. But um, oh, but meanwhile, you are you un- unlike Steven Seagal, who's crushing it, doing great. <laughs> Moved to <laughs> Russia, <laughs> took up arms against the Ukrainians, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got you've got plenty of um, neighbor action. So you're you're seeing people and you're hearing their stories, which is you know that's that's great. That well, if you that, if you met Tony, you might not. Okay. There are some some company is worse than no company sometimes, you know. Okay, like that's not. actually very true. <laughs> but isn't no. that isn't that something that during the pandemic I I don't know we weren't in we in fact we were right in the center of Dublin, so a very densely populated part of Dublin and and we could only go 2 kilometers either way except for groceries or whatever and it still felt very isolating. It still felt very kind of lonely and cut off. But to the point that now I'm kind of reassessing my relationship with people in general, capital P people. Yeah. Uh, do, do I do I really want to be around so many all the time? It's just it's been fascinating. So I take a, a Tony or two and some nice space around me. Sometimes yep. I think I, I do think there's a lot of reassessing going on. Yeah, I think I've become a bit more of a homebody because I thought the whole two years that all I wanted was to. You know, I was like, oh, as soon as anything like a bar is open, I'm just there all the time. And and that now that they are, I'm like, you know, I I want to I want to go home. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we've all we we lost our FOMO. You know, we're all yeah, just comfortable. Like, it's it's like, oh yeah, I guess I didn't need that to survive, or you know. Um. So yeah, most nights now I'm just like, nah, I'm I'm good here. You know, right. my my shows are on. I'm gonna watch my shows, my, my, my stories. <laughs> I gotta watch my stories. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so then, uh, Tara, you've just, you've gotten back to, so you guys are doing a big LA trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's mainly Carl's trip. So he's been here for a whole month and I'm just here for two weeks. So it is, it's, it's kind of culture shocky. It, it feels all new again. It, flying felt new again. I'd had two short London trips, but they were my first trips in two years. And, and as you guys do, we travel around all the time for work and be it auditions or shows or whatever it is. And, um, over and back to the UK like crazy. But we just had, I just hadn't even been at the airport. It all felt new. But being in LA is, it's just, it's, it's different. It's actually interesting because Ireland lifted the mask mandate, even on public transport. So even to have that level of state responsibility here for the, to, to acknowledge that the pandemic is still happening, it's been kind of refreshing. But of course, same as the UK, our cases have spiked because since the mask mandate went. And, um, oh, I had a very, um, very polite anti-mask lady Uber driver yesterday. Ugh. Yeah, she was. She was like, "You're my last ride of the day, so I'm not gonna." I see you're wearing your mask. I, I'm not gonna wear mine because I am. Um, because I am. Um, because I am. Um, I don't feel like it. <laughs> I went okay. What, is, what well, does last mas- last ride of the day have to do with it as well? It's like I don't know. Well, you can't I, catch I mean, COVID in the last ride of the day. Yeah, that's, that's how yeah. it. COVID. COVID can't go over a plexiglass partition. We know that. <laughs> no, uh, um, not after 11 p.m. in nope, Ireland during last summer. No, nope, you can't get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't get pregnant the first time you have sex. Like these are <laughs> no, just things. No. These are knows. things everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, you, you know? can't get COVID standing up or in a pool. <laughs> right. 
it was it, so first the, first there was that anyway it quickly escalated or or descended into all kinds of things including racism so I I asked to be let out of the car no oh wow yeah yeah what happens I, when that happens you um I can't leave you out on a freeway. I can't understand why this is happening. Well, then, Susan, maybe this will give you some food for thought. Please take the next exit. I don't care where it is. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then I went, then I got out and I was going, ha, you know, ah, well, that's that. And then I go, oh, I have no fucking clue where I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then because I was still on my Irish phone, I could not get any data. And I was like, oh, oh. no, where, how am I going to get home? So finally, I just kept walking sort of old school, holding the phone up over my head because, you know, that's where the waves are. Yeah, um, right, right. Yeah, this up, is a science there, show. Safe, safe from the COVID. That's right. Yeah. And after 11 p.m. and up <laughs> over the head. And uh, I finally, finally was able to get an, a different Uber. And that guy was just into cryptocurrency, so I was able to handle that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it's either crypto or QAnon <laughs> for, the, for the Uber driver. Yeah. Is there is there any crossover in those communities? Oh, is there, 100%. Well, there I would is. imagine so. I would, I would think that the QAnon people would think crypto is a major uh, pedophile cabal conspiracy somehow. Hmm. You know, then it just can... seems, seems like they'd be very cash only. But I could also see them starting like uh, having an ICO of a Q coin. I could totally see that existing. Oh, also. yeah. Got to get a Q coin. Got to yeah. do it. Q coin. Oh, Lord, that's grim. Oh, man. <laughs> But the, the, there is a story while we're talking about like just you know being stuck at home. There's a story I'm I'm deeply suspicious of. That was I I'm gonna pretty instantly call bullshit on this. But uh, is this what your your fiance said she was working late? Yeah, this is a uh, <laughs> Liam Kennedy sent this story in, uh, and it's a study from Essex University that claims to have found the most boring person in the world. At least people in Essex listen to the podcast. I know, which I think right? Is, I think it's, hey, it's I know this. This reeks of those kind of like equations of a thing stories. Oh yeah. Or as like you know, scientists have calculated the most happy day of the year. Uh, scientists who are paid by Thompson's Holidays to calculate this. Right. Like the the perfect way to eat an ice cream, according to this study commissioned by Wool's Ice Cream. Um, so the most boring person in the world has been revealed by University Essex Research, and it's a religious data entry worker who likes watching TV and lives in a town. Ooh, in a town. The study of, <laughs> as opposed to a, a, a city or a village, I presume. Okay. Brit Britain has, like, stricter delineation between those things. Oh, okay. In, in America, everything's a city. But, like, in the UK, like, it really, really needs to step up to be a city. Like, it needs to have, it used to have to have a cathedral, but now that's not the only <laughs> criterion. Um, I don't know. I'm reading ahead a little, and I kind of like this article. <laughs> so the study of the site into the size of Bordenham has uncovered the jobs, characteristics, and hobbies that are considered a stereotypical snooze. After examining more than 500 people across five experiments, researchers found the blandest jobs are seen as data analysis, accounting, cleaning, and banking. The paper, published in Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin... Love, love this next part. ...also discovered the dullest hobbies were seen to be religion... <laughs> Watching TV, bird watching, and smoking. I didn't know so, smoking so like, was a hobby. I didn't know well, religion. No, nor is religion. <laughs> my two hobbies are are a, a creed by which I live my life and an addiction. I what I like doing is uh, my hobbies. I like painting those little Warhammer figurines and Jesus. Those <laughs> yeah. are my two hobbies. Um. You know when, when I'm when I'm bored of a weekend, I get together with a couple of friends and. Uh, 
and believe that believe in a deity. That's that's why right, we right. I do that for a couple of hours a week. Mm. So boring people were also perceived to shun large settlements to live in small cities and towns. Led by the Department of Psychology's Dr. Uh, Vidyan Van Tilburg, the research revealed that stereotypically boring people are generally disliked and avoided due to preconceptions. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they said stereotypically because have, I, have any of you ever lived in a properly small town? Really small? Um, 8,000 people, Joshua Tree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, so my town growing up, Kinsale in County Cork, was two thousand at the oh, time. Wow. Yeah. And and the drama, the high drama. Like, I mean, it was not boring. I'll tell you that. So, I mean, I I believe that I believe that the smaller the population, the more that that goes on behind closed doors, and because you can't keep secrets, so people try to. And I don't think it's I don't think it's boring. So, see, I think though this this article to to briefly defend this article that I'm I'm mostly not defending. <laughs> I I think I think they're saying like mid sized towns is is what they're putting as like the peak of bo- boring. So like a large city would be less boring, but also a small village oh, or a okay. small town be less boring. Whereas this sort of like the 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 middle of the sort of bell curve of you know just a sort of large enough town for anonymity but not so big that there is exciting stuff okay that makes sense yeah but so with 8000 Andy you must i mean there must be intrigue yeah i mean it is interesting cuz i'm back and forth to LA yeah. more often now i mean he lives next door to a ninja tower yeah there's there's that exactly this well, is what it, i'm saying it, it, you don't most, you don't get a ninja people, in milton keynes <laughs> most people live next door to a ninja I mean, that's the whole point of <laughs> that's true yeah you're never in, in a big city you're never more than what is it you're like 20 yards from a ninja and like three of them crawl across your face in your sleep every night at any given yeah. time most people eat thing. eight ninjas a year in their <laughs> I guess that's the thing. The better the ninja, you're never going to know that they're your neighbor. <laughs> if you smell toast, that, that, that could the, be also that's a, a ninja. ninja. It's a stroke yeah. or a ninja. <laughs> One of those ninja bakers. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think that's kind of true. Like, I do have very few friends, probably like four out here, but I see them more often than I see most friends when I'm in LA just because everybody's busy, you know, and it's like. It's just these four people. If I go to one of the two bars, I'm probably going to see one. Or if I text one ahead of time, they'll come out. Um, so there is that. Like I see the appeal of small town living. And I'm starting to get uh, immersed in some local activities. I just, as of last week, I have a new job um, doing uh, guided stargazing stuff in the National Park. <laughs> what? Yeah. I didn't know this. Oh, I know. Wow. It just came up. It just came up. Thanks to Caitlin Gill. She got hired by this company. And... Um, I've done one shadow of a tour and I'm doing another one tonight. And uh, yeah, I encourage, it'd be kind of fun if if listeners ever want to, um, are ever in the Joshua Tree area, you could definitely, uh, let me find the actual website. I'll I'll make sure to give the actual link if you want to schedule a tour. It's going to be really cool because I, once I'm all trained up, I'll have all the equipment at my place and then I'll you know, be sent when they book a group, it's like 10 people or so, to bring it all there. But in the meantime, I'll have this $3,000 telescope at my house. Oh, wow. And I'll be able to, yeah, and I'd never use one of these that's programmable. Like you do, you align it to two known stars manually. And then once you've done that and entered your lo- exact location, date, and time, that telescope now has a completely accurate map of the sky. So you just type in a nebula, a star, whatever. And, and, the, and the telescope will just go right to it. You just fine tune at the end. So now it's just about memorizing my constellations. Um, you know, I got I got to do some studying, but I think it's going to be a fun we, gig. And uh, you know, were it's you like, previously yeah. 
any good at like recognizing stars and knowing what to look for? Yeah, I just two years living out here, I definitely got more into using the apps and um, You saw Jeff Beck at Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember remember Andy, that was Stu's story. Oh no, I didn't I thought that was a so, totally random. I love no, that. No, no, so so exciting, but uh, uh so Tara, uh, this article's great because Andy and I, I think, lived with statistically the most boring person. And <laughs> That's true. That's true. It may be the most boring person. So it says here, the top five most boring hobbies, sleeping, religion, watching TV, observing animals, and mathematics. And aside from the math part, I mean, who was a salesman? He might be the most boring guy. But, um, you know, like, like everybody, uh, you have like a fun story you whip out at parties. And so I heard the story like 20 times and his big story was seeing Jeff Beck at Cheesecake Factory. And it just made me sad. It was just a really sad. I don't know. <laughs> it was crazy. It was right there. It was Jeff Beck right there. <laughs> what did what did Jeff Beck get? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think he uh, ordered some sort of macaroni something, you know. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there. That's so room. Jeff Beck. I'm in the these same room the with Jeff Beck, just eating, you know? <laughs> but these are the details we need to make it a story. I, I agree. Yeah. Your poor friend, he just wasn't taking it all in. Yep. It's, it, it does say here that the um, the irony is that studying boredom is actually very interesting and has many real-life impacts. The, <laughs> these papers show how percep- persuasive perceptions of boredom are and what an impact this can have on people i love that they put that in their own article yeah. studying boredom is actually totally pretty, cool well, well and- also have you seen what the the second most exciting job is number one apparently is performing arts so go us yeah. number two is science mm-hmm. that's you guys all the way up there suspicious right, that a scientist puts that there i know number they're just journalism. inserting themselves yeah number three is journalism then <laughs> number four is blogging yeah number health f- professional and teaching so this is all very very close to what the people who are involved in both creating the study and trying to share it mm-hmm. also how is science one of the most exciting jobs and mathematics one of the most boring hobbies that doesn't track for me well well I, math- I think the criteria for excitement- as a hobby how is it done as a hobby i mean maybe like is that Sudoku? What? Is that well, what that's not about? math, though. So I don't know. I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know any mathematical hobbies. I suppose. I mean, the count on Sesame Street gets a great kick just out of going from one to ten or whatever. Right, and he's not. I boring. guess that's a hobby. He's not boring. He's a vampire. He's a handsome devil as well. I think it's a profession. He's paid for that. I th- you think the count gets paid to count? I think they probably... I, I'm sure he does, but I reckon yeah. he'd also do it on his own time. Probably. Now, I, yeah. I feel like he gets paid to put on the cape and the monocle, but he does the counting for fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just to, just out of his heart. By the way, Matt, mm. did you skip the line about what people uh, may expect to be paid to, in order to have to spend time with one of these boring people? Uh, I <laughs> did, did not. Oh, you said that. No, no, I did. Oh. I did not. I skipped over it. Yeah, I... Is that referred to later in the study? It says people may be, may expect to be paid a minimum of thirty five pounds a day to spend time with them as recompense with these boring people. They figured out how much you have to get paid um, to be well, around a boring person. B- by the way, when we're talking about science and Sesame Street, um, th- this story I saw going around again the other day, and I hadn't heard this before a couple of days ago. That this is apparently true that there was a proposed plan. That, di- that didn't get past the planning stage, but it was in the mix, and NASA has confirmed this, that amongst the original crew, potentially, on the Space Shuttle Challenger, 
which as we all know ended in tragedy, mm-hmm. potentially was going to be Big Bird. <laughs> like <gasps> actual Big Bird. Like Carol Spinney in but Big feel, Bird costume. I feel like this is like a Mark Wahlberg on 9-11 thing. Like Big Bird could have stopped that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a but bird. Like, like- <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't already horrendous enough watching like ev- every kid... Like right. I don't know, pretty much every kid in America and many kids around the world watch the the takeoff and the explosion in their class, because particularly because they have the teacher on board. But can you imagine right. how much more horrific it would be if actual Big Bird was one of the crew? Good lord! Oh yeah. lord! But also, how amazing that would have been seeing Big Bird walking to the craft yep. in full flight suit with a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Man, and it's weird too because like they would just get someone else to be Big Bird. And then kids would be like, "Why can't you bring back the other astronauts?" Oh man, you know what oh, I mean. I think like, they would man. have to. They would have to retire Big Bird because they they've dealt There's with no death way. before. There's no way. It makes too much money. They can't yeah, kill they off can't Big Bird. Kill off a character. I think you'd have to. I think you maybe you know you could bring back like a cousin or something. But I don't. I think if he's gone. He's gone. That's a good point. Change the color. Give him a new name and keep it going. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm no just way. too sad to respond to this at all. I'm Sorry. just so sad right now. <laughs> Let's get uh, happier with, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, actually, uh, listeners, go to sky-watcher.com if you ever want a guided tour, perhaps led by me, of uh, stargazing in Joshua Tree National Park. Is that happier? That's a brilliant. That's lovely. Okay. That's hopeful. Love it. Wow. What, and what a photo, too. Some lady's on her phone. Someone's got binoculars. Wow. Binoculars surprisingly really great uh if you're if you're you know somewhere that doesn't have tons of light pollution because with the telescope it's that good you can't really you know you're not going to zoom in on any kind of constellation except to see interesting things within it like you know look at the orion nebula or something but with just binoculars like pleiades looks amazing and you can see tons of detail on the moon and Mm. All right, look at you, Pleiades, the moon. You You know the words. (laughs) (laughs) Your left is Ursa Minor. They don't schedule these during when the moon's up because it's too much uh, light bleed, drowning out the fun stuff. So, ah, very interesting. I'm curious. Once I get the telescope in my backyard, to look up close at that moon, check out some rings of Saturn. There weren't any planets out when we were out the other night that you could see. So, yeah, fun little gig. That is a cool gig. That's, yeah, yeah it's very Caitlin cool. Gill. I forgot I already said this. Caitlin Gill's doing it, so yeah. Um, you know, I, I suspect I expect if you don't get Andy, Caitlin is a more than adequate substitute. Caitlin's oh, great totally. fun, yeah, friend of the show, Caitlin Gill. Totally, mm-hmm. and they have snacks and expensive ponchos. It's like a real deal. They treat you well. <laughs> yeah, rocking rocking camping chairs, which I didn't know existed. Hot cocoa, know. various kinds of hot cocoa. Yeah, I gotta and do if, more. And of if that you're stuff. boring, Andy gets an extra thirty five pounds. So <laughs> just to hang out with you. Oh, I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm coming. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hire a car and get down there. Do it. Yeah. Don't yep. take an Uber. You're rolling the dice. Oh no, much too racist. No. no. I had. A- I'll drive you out there, and I. I can be incredibly racist. <laughs> I've got some real opinions. <laughs> it is He's just true. asking I've been questions a passenger all with the Matt time. Before, and it's it's a nightmare. It's just <laughs> something about driving really sets me off. Yeah, he gets so mad. Um, <laughs> something about driving professionally makes you want to do your own research i know that's true that is true yeah i, I mean it's not much else on the radio you know you're gonna yeah. eventually you're gonna switch over to am see what's going on <laughs> <laughs> you know it really was kind of shocking because there have been so many lovely we didn't hire a car this trip so we've mostly been using public transport and uber when we need it and 
people have been so lovely and just brilliant. And then when you get a doozy like Susie, it really, <laughs> it really rocks you. I was like, oh, wow. Um, but of course, the majority are fantastic. People just trying to trying to do their jobs. Right. Of yeah. course. I'm not actually ripping on uh, um, whatever you call this. What's a generic term for Uber and Lyft? Rideshare. 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 There it is. Yeah. 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 No, I've, I, but it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like leaving a review for a restaurant. Like, of course, they're all bad. You're not going to call and say that was great. But, but I mean, you, you notice the bad ones. Obviously, yeah. the majority of rideshare drivers are fantastic. But, <laughs> you know, um, but I'd say like maybe one out of every 20 uh, just, yeah, goes off the rails, some conspiracy nut. That's the right. one I remember. And by the way, what happens with the reviews? Is it just kind of like mutually assured destruction? You both give each other ones as you part ways, you think? I tried to leave room for, uh, please have a think about this. Cause she went, this has never happened before. This has never happened to me. And I said, you know, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you an okay star rating. I said, I'm still going to tip you because you've driven me just fine. I said, but I can't continue this ride. And, and I said, I, so I just wanted to, I didn't want to leave a one or, or complain right. or anything like that. But I just went, and I mean, the mask thing alone was kind of, it was kind of shock. Yeah. Um, particularly because they ask you, are, are you definitely going to be wearing a mask? And da 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 da. And so, uh, I just wanted to. Oh, I don't know. This is such bullshit. I'm such a total tool. No, but basically, no. I just went. I just went. Yeah, I'm going to leave her like a three, and I'm I'm going to tip her because she's working and not much. But I wanted her <laughs> to go. Oh. Because if she just was able to get away from that that um, exchange by going, what a fucking Irish bitch, um, then oh, I don't think she'll work out that you're Irish. <laughs> She's probably going to pick a perfectly like random a... country, yeah. <laughs> just fucking New yeah. Zealander. Yeah, oh, over there I'm from. Over there, yeah. I, I, I once had an argument with someone in the security line at an airport because he was like shoving ahead, and I said, I can't, I can't even remember what the full like annoying, but we had like a little sort of couple of words between us and it and then as i walked away he's like fucking australian prick and i was like <laughs> i'm just gonna let him think that i'm gonna let him malign an entire wrong country yeah. <laughs> i mean it is a, it's a service industry job it's not crazy for you to expect it, it'd be like if you're in a restaurant and you order something vegan and someone's like okay i'm bringing you a burger like what no i asked for yeah it, not it's, meat it's funny yeah, it's it's a funny one. And the thing is, as well, I think in all all the service industries and I think I think that everyone during school at some stage should should work in industries where you're dealing with customers because it's so fecking awful a lot of the time. Yeah. And it does it just does give you a perspective on be, being the customer and what right. the other person's going through and all of that. But by the same token, when someone's just going, I couldn't give a fuck if you get COVID. Oh, then at a certain point, she said, I think it's there to cull the weak and be fearful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I went, I went, well, oh, uh, this was sort of the beginning of things. So, oh, I said, I, I don't think that. I was still thinking that things were going to be semi-normal. So, oh, I, I don't think that. And I said, you know, lost a couple of friends to it. So, I, I, and I don't think they were in any way weak or fearful. And I'm really sad that they're going to win. Oh, oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, Susie, Susie. Susie, yeah. Susie sucks. <laughs> Susie sucks. Brutal. <laughs> um, yeah, the politeness of it all was the scariest part. She was like, I, I checked out her reviews after. 
it was like, what a nice lady. And I was going, oh, Jesus, we're fucked. Oh, I didn't know you could look at people's actual previous reviews. Yeah. Yeah. You can look up the, I think if you click on the star rating, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah. Oh, what a nice lady. What a kind, gentle lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It always mm-hmm. weirds me out when like uh, you get an Uber and they have like a theme. Like they they pull up and there's a, they have their whole cab is like full of Christmas lights. And yeah. You know, and they're like, welcome to the Tonga, like, like, welcome to the Tiki cab. Or It's like, all right, man, just take it easy. Like, I, I, th- to- I think that happens a lot less. Like when, when people when it now, like when it first started, people were really working hard for those ratings. Yeah. And, now, and, and like and there was a lot of chat as well at the beginning, particularly with Lyft, because I think Lyft at the beginning was really playing that kind of like you just like sharing your car with a friend. <laughs> and and then like after about a year everyone's like no we're just being a taxi but without half of the regulations so right right uh right without a union exactly yeah, yeah. we just like all of the stuff with taxis except uh none of the rights on either side of the equation so then people started to learn like you know what i'm just going to shut the fuck up for most of the trip and then people would generally be happy with that <laughs> sure sure there is there is an Elvis cab, a regular old hail on the street cab in Dublin, and it's just a lad going around dressed as Elvis and uh, singing away for the trip. Okay. Oh, that's a lot. I mean, whether you love it or hate it, I'm just putting it out there. This service exists. <laughs> well, you would know it before you got in the car. It's, yes, it's okay, got okay, the Elvis okay. car written all over the okay, site. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's like if Cash Cab was sprung on you and you're having and you're on your way to you know visit your mother on her deathbed or something at the hospital like that would be right. I am I am ninety nine percent sure that Cash Cab is prearranged. No, actually it is. I've heard I've heard how they do it. You don't know it's, you're going to be in a Cash Cab, but you know that you are going to you've signed releases to be on something, and you think this is the ride taking you to the thing you're going to be on. That makes sense. That's what I've heard. So Ca- Cash Cab uh, for reference, Tara is a TV. I don't know if it's still going. Uh, it's the TV show hosted by Ben Bailey, who very funny comic, by the way. I, I don't, I think, I bet he's one of those ones where people don't even necessarily realize half the time that he's a stand-up because right, he's right. famous from this other thing. True. But he's ve- very funny. Uh, he used to have a bit about applying for uh, jobs that I I loved. Uh, I still think of every so often. But um, he the the premise is you get into a taxi and suddenly you realize you're actually on a game show and you've got to answer questions to win prizes. Oh God. <laughs> it's great. It's it's good TV. It was always on at five o'clock when I would check into a hotel for like a solid hour. So it was always if I had a gig, you're always watching Cash Cab before the gig, at least like ten years ago or something. Yeah. No, I mean it's a cool it's a cool premise. I always wished I could have been on it. Yeah. I one time I sort of had an opposite experience where I went on a trivia show and then they just drove me somewhere. <laughs> this is weird, you know? Um yeah. Okay. Look, they're not all gold. You know what I mean. I think we're all tired. I think it's obvious that. Uh, Sorry, I was I was distracted because I was trying to find that Ben Bailey job interview clip, and I think I have. I've, uh, I worked with him once, and he talked about owls for like half an hour. Like, love this whole thing about owls. Like he had just bought his first house that's like out of new outside of New York with his cash cab money, but he has owl problems, and he talked, and it was hilarious. But he discussed it for like. It was like his whole act was about owls. And this is after Cash Cab had become quite popular. So it was just all these people there that wanted him to tell Cash Cab stories. And then he just came out and talked about owls for an hour and left. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> Maybe he didn't read this part of the boring article. It says the fourth most boring hobby is watching animals. He's becoming boring. I, I mean, I think he was – the whole thing is he's been infringed upon by these 
reckless right. owls. He's not, he's not you know? loving them. He's just telling the stories of their... Yeah. Yeah. Houses. Now, I tell you something that's fun to do late at night. Maybe you've had a few drinks. You have to get an Uber. Go get yourself a slice of pizza. You guys ever do that? Hmm? Sure. You ever get a slice of pizza? <laughs> you ever do that? I've been known to. Well, did, did, did you guys know that a pizza dough without yeast has been risen by scientists in Italy? I did know because Sean Robertson sent in this CNN article. Oh, that's interesting because I'm just on this article myself. Oh, curious. Hmm, Yeah. Me too. So uh, the star ingredient responsible for an airy, bubbly pizza crust is yeast. We all know that. And as cells that eat sugar and convert into carbon dioxide, yeast is what makes dough rise. Yet Italian scientists have discovered a way to make pizza dough without it. Because of a severe yeast allergy, Italian materials scientist Ernesto Di Mao... Di Mao... Jesus. M-A-I-O. Mayo? See, because I'd, this feels horrible, but I just keep thinking it's Mario without, and they, it's a typo. You <laughs> it's know? It's me, Di Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ernesto Di Mario. Um, <laughs> well, he has this horrible, horrible yeast allergy, okay? And um, he can't eat traditional pizza, which is a tough deck of cards to be dealt while living in the birthplace of the iconic dish. So he embarked on a journey to make a Neapolitan pizza dough that would rise without the help of yeast. And the results of the culinary and physics experiment, they were published Tuesday in the journal Physics of Fluids. Um, <laughs> great journal. Okay, can, I got to recommend it. So the the invention, it's grounded in deep knowledge of what's going on while cooking, says DeMau. Um, he's, he says, you know, we had fun in the lab. The research team uh, included a chemical engineer, PhD student, who was working as a... Uh, Pizziolo, Jesus, pizza chef. Um, they use simple ingredients, right? Tap water, iodized sea salt and flour, and processes to prepare yeasted dough and yeast-free dough so they could p- compare the two. They even used time-lapse photography set up to see how the rising process affected the final structure of both yeast and yeast-free doughs. And they measured that the yeasted dough became more elastic and grew in area by roughly 20%, while the other dough barely changed over time and, and, you know, slightly decreased in area. Mm-hmm. So, so they're like, ugh, this is fucking horrible. You know, what are we going to do here? And their previous experience proved pivotal in making up for the absence of the yeast. DeMau had studied how bubbles form in polymers, including polyurethane, which is used as a component of paints, varnishes, adhesives, and foams. And he, he knew that both bread and polyurethane are formed after two concurring processes, curing and foaming. And that's the production of a mass of small bubbles. Um, so, uh, for polyurethane involves, uh, the foaming process involves using, using an autoclave. Um, and, uh, while using autoclave, scientists can tinker with pressure and temperature levels to achieve what they want. What with the polyurethane. Mm-hmm. And it also requires a blowing agent. Um, uh, unlike Hollywood, which requires <laughs> blowing an agent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so, um, the blowing agent is an initially liquid substance that aids the process. So knowing this, DeMau thought to introduce that technique to baking in a process that's also similar to the one used to make carbonate soda. They placed a tiny yeast-free pizza dough, no bigger than a penny, in a hot autoclave. That's a, that's a tiny pizza. And over the course of a few minutes, they shifted the pressure levels higher and lower while dissolving gas into the dough at high pressure levels. As, as pressure was slowly released from the autoclave, bubbles formed in the dough. The final dough's consistency was similar to that of a traditional dough made with yeast. 
So, so you got to get yourself an autoclave mm-hmm. if you're allergic to yeast. Um, and the key to the process is to design and pressure release rate, not to stress the dough, which likes to expand gently. So they, you know, they studied all this and they say, unfortunately, the project's very immature. So you can't try it at home um, unless you have an autoclave and a way to blow gas into pizza dough. That is immature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty immature. It's very immature. <laughs> By um, the way, uh, like yeast... Yeast is considered by many. This is one of the things I know from a, one of the many little writing jobs that we had over the last couple of years. is It's considered by many to be the oldest domesticated organism. Because oh. hmm. yeast is a is a living organism, and it's been domesticated and cultivated, and um, and it was its usage in breaking bread and also making alcoholic drinks probably originated around eight thousand years ago. Hmm. So, am I right in that yeast doesn't actually add flavor to dough? It just is responsible for the tiny bubbles, and that's what. Um, or that's a good question, and I, I don't, I don't know because different yeast cultures give different flavors to the drinks, and I, yeah. I know that partly from when when we watched when we when we made uh, the show shut it off, which Andy and I both worked on. A show with uh, two Canadian YouTubers who had to spend time in the in the woods outside Toronto with a uh, with different creature comforts being shut off week by week, episode by episode. One of them was uh, vices, and they made their own beer with different types of yeast, including yeast that they cultured from their own body. I think it was belly button yeast or toe yeast. I can't remember which mm, now we decided on. That sounds delicious. Right? And, and one of them, had, you guys never had toe beer? <laughs> <laughs> never had a toe but, beer? Come on. But they also did wild, they also collected wild yeast, which they just by putting like containers out in open flower fields and then like the yeast kind of falls into this, into the container. So undomesticated, feral, this is feral yeast. Yeah, but the different yeasts do provide different flavors to the beer. So... I don't know whether that's actually like the yeast cells themselves have differences or whether it's like the stuff that comes along with it, whether it's like, the, you know, it picks up some of the flour taste. Right. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure is the answer because it is all it's all the same organism. But um, I also don't know how much sort of genetic variety there is because, you know, uh, you, I would guess like not all yeast cells are exactly identical to each other, but they're probably more identical than humans are because they have asexual reproduction but I, I'm not sure is the answer I don't know how much there are, how much one yeast cell is different from its neighbor uh, there are several I'm just looking this up there are several species of yeast right but within the same species like within oh like right. let's say you've got because right. you know you all, all four of us are the same species but we have very different genetic material we look different we sound different and so on but I don't know how right how much variety there is between Two yeast cells of the same. I reckon species. a yeast could tell another yeast apart. Yeah, you know, from his buddies. <laughs> right, right. I'd like know which one's like a direct. You know, oh, I can't. I, you, you, we started off as the same cell. We split into me and you, so we shouldn't do anything between ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's gonna get weird if we. No matter how much alcohol we make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a saying. There's a saying in Irish in the Irish language, "Ahnian kirog kirog ella," which means uh, like a bug or a beetle recognizes another beetle, and I'm sure that could apply to yeast. <laughs> beetle recognize beetle. Yeah. <laughs> beetle recognize beetle. Yeah. But with yeast. That's with the yeast. drummer. Um, <laughs> that's my friend. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that about the beetles. 
by, then, by the way, Irish sidebar, uh, maybe I told you guys this off air and I'm, I'm probably, it's probably good I didn't do this, but for a brief second in like January, I was like, oh, you know what? If I don't make this t-shirt, someone else will and I could make it and send the proceeds to a good cause. But I was like, I bet around St. Patrick's Day in the Northeast US, you're going to see some uh, shamrock green shirts that say Aaron Go Brandon. Um, oh, yeah. No, but uh, I, I, so I, I mocked it up and I was like, I could sell this. I could market it on whatever the... <laughs> shitty, well, I remember shitty the- version of Twitter is what is it, Parlor or something, and then just send all the, all the proceeds. I always to get the there's like with- Parlor and there's Gabber, I think is the right, or right. Get. I, I can't. But I read it by some friends. Like this is a don't put this into the world. And I was like, what I, if, it's funny if I send the proceeds to something that would piss off Trump fans. I remember uh, Andy, you and I were living together, and it was like um, election day. I think it was the 2012, like the Mitt Romney. Yeah. Uh, Obama election and I don't know why this is so funny to me you had idea you had this idea to make a bunch of I voted stickers but they just say I pooted <laughs> and you thought it was this like brilliant idea and that I doesn't sound like me I'm not sure <laughs> no, it really that. does you're like it'll say I pooted and it'll be really funny it'll be really small <laughs> and it'll be the same size right and you, know, you and have so to look closely to see it's just like if someone notices and it says I pooted it'll be funny and I was like ready to like invest everything I had I'm like this is obvious obviously the most genius idea <laughs> that I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't, are you sure that's me? I'm positive. Okay. It doesn't sound like me, but I'll, okay, I'll go with yeah, you. Yeah. That, well, I, it's so unlike you that that's why it was so funny to me. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, you, you don't say pooted. It's no. the weirdest. All right. I, I want one. So if you have any mock-ups, I would buy them from you. Midterms. Yeah. I pooted. Let's get this to it. Yeah. <laughs> you pooted. Um, Wow. By the way, Jesse, I had a story. I don't know if you want to get into stuff related to your cancer. Yeah, um, let's do it. But uh, t- I think you might have talked about this in your treatment process, the uh, the colon tattoos. Is that a thing that came up? Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. No, I've, I've uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm tatted up in there. Yeah, well, there's a new kind of ink, and I suddenly just, like, the link suddenly doesn't work that I posted in our chat here, but um, colon ink article. Let me reopen it and just send the link. Uh, and Tara, this browser. isn't, it's not a medical thing. They're just like, you know, while we're in there during the surgery, do you want anything sure. cool? You know, like just a some tattoo flash and anchor. Yeah. Something, yeah. something like that. I, I yeah. love it. Why not? Like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm finding a different link because that link is dead right now. Okay. I got it to work. So uh, the colon might be the last place people would consider getting a tattoo, but endoscopic tattooing is an important medical technique for making colorectal lesions, for marking colorectal lesions for surgery or follow-up. True. Today's scientists report a next-generation ink for these markings that diffuses less and is more biocompatible than existing inks. The new formulation... Guyton sent this in, by the way. Thank yes, you. thank you for that. Uh, the new formulation could make it easier to identify and remove complex colonic polyps and tumors, researchers say. They'll present their results today at the spring meeting of the American Chemical Society, and this was as of uh, five days ago. Uh, according to the American Cancer Society, colorectal cancer is the third most diagnosed cancer in the U.S. I didn't know that. And the second leading cause of cancer-related death, Jesse beat that. It's amazing. Well, it's uh, the, yeah, it's the um, it's one of the most deadly. It, you know, because yeah. it's like the the first is the first in both. I think is is breast, mm-hmm. um, but then it's just so much more prevalent. Yeah. You know? So yeah. at the time of your colonoscopy, I guess they can remove small polyps usually, but larger complex yeah. lesions are often referred to specialists or surgeons for later removal. And many times these are flat, very subtle lesions. There's a need to mark them so that the specialist going in later can find them. 
says Raul Panala, a gastroenterologist and associate professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona, who is involved in the research. To do this, doctors inject a commercial ink, typically made of carbon black, a couple of centimeters from lesion, a process known as endoscopic or colon tattooing. And the commercially available inks have high contrast, but once they're injected, they rapidly diffuse around the area of the spot, uh, explains Sudad. Subadeep Duda, a graduate student at Arizona State University who's presenting the work at the meeting. So the specialist can be lost as to where to find the lesion. Also, some inks can trigger inflammation or diffuse into other tissues, possibly causing side effects. Therefore, Duda, Panala, uh, Jordan Yaron, and Kaushal Rigi uh, wanted to develop a new type of colon ink that could overcome these limitations. To give this ink a strong dark color that would be easy to see under the visible light of a colonoscopy, the researchers chose metal-derived nanoparticles. They combined the nanoparticles with different amounts and types of polymers that adhere to the submucosal surface in the colon, preventing the ink from diffusing. They tested the various formulations, first in dissected pig intestines, then in living mice. Because mouse intestines are so tiny and so difficult to work with, the researchers injected their inks under the mice skin as a model system to gauge diffusion, inflammation, and imaging efficacy. From our preclinical -pre studies so far, the contrast is looking good. And, and, and it says are very concentrated. And it says you can choose between designs, including Tasmanian Devil <laughs> yes. and and Mom around an anchor. Mm -hmm. Yep. One of my favorite Richard Payne jokes. Uh. This this is like I remember being taught at school that the the monks at the time. Do you, have you guys heard of the Book of Kells? This it's like a giant uh, Bible or biblical tome that that the Irish monks back in oh not yonks ago ages ago pre-medieval times and they uh, you can look at it in um, Trinity College it's on display one page per day so it'll take you a while to read it but it basically what happens is they, they, they did all this beautiful work on vellum and things but the monks around the same time when they were engraving things they would always engrave the underside of things the stuff that wasn't visible to most people because they felt that holy God, if holy God is your thing, that holy God could see everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I say this mm. is this is just the bodily version oh. of that. <laughs> what a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I, I'd let a monk up in me. Let a monk up in you. Let a monk up in you. Yeah, sometimes you gotta <laughs> let a monk up in them guts. That's <laughs> <laughs> a monk. Just that a monk it. up in them guts. Yeah. As the, the old... as, they, as they used to say in the monasteries. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Time Do to, they uh, chant while they're doing that? Time to tune the old pipe organ. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know? <laughs> um. I, I mean, I guess they could chant while they're doing it. There's nothing stopping them. Yeah. There's nothing stopping yeah. them. Uh, so no, this, that's that's a uh, this is very is very interesting. Yeah, I so <laughs> I knew about. Uh, I guess I mean I didn't know why, but when I got my colon tatted up, it had to be like the week of uh, surgery, and I assume that's because of the diffusion. So oh, it wow. makes sense now, but but I think that yeah, this this could lead to earlier, you know, earlier tatting. Set it and um, forget it. Yeah. Did, yeah. did you have to like put saran wrap in there and then like? Yeah, they the gave sun. me yeah they gave me like a cream and stuff like that. But then once I was able to take the saran wrap off and just go out to bars and just show everyone my colon, you know it was pretty cool. It was pretty tough. And post treatment, have you gotten it touched up at all? Because sometimes the colors fade, as we know from. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I get it. I get it touched up a lot. And then it's, since, <laughs> since me and that part of my colon broke up, I've had to change the name. <laughs> You know, why no? Why no? Forever? Why no? Forever? Yeah, <laughs> pretty rough. But aside from that, no, it's it's um it's a pretty sick ink, man. Pretty yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah. 
Hmm. <laughs> there is a there. There is one more food story. Given that we just done three in a row, the pizzas, colon, and this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but <laughs> this is a story. Uh, oh, now I can't even find it. Someone sent it to me on Instagram, which is the. But by, by the way, that's the worst way to send me a story. But I appreciate you sending a story in. But uh, I open Instagram so rarely, and then I don't think you can even click on links. Or maybe you, I don't know. I think in um, messages you can just not in post descriptions. But but Will, Will Klein, I appreciate you sending in the story. Uh, I found it now. Okra uh, used to clean up microplastics. Hmm. Right? Isn't that, isn't that curious? What can so, okra do? Yeah, how, how, how? Okay, so you know how um, okra can kind of be gooey as you cook it? It has that sort of gooiness to it. So that... That quality could allow a compound from the plant to be used in the less toxic method of removing microplastics from drinking water. So I was going to New Atlas. Uh, it's, t- it's an unfortunate fact that tiny fragments of plastic pollution are now spread throughout the world's waterways. The health effects of ingesting these fragments themselves are still not fully known. The one danger lies in the fact that these particles could absorb pollutants from the environment and pass these pollutants on to us. In order to remove plastic microparticles from municipal water supplies, water treatment plants typically add chemicals known as flocculants to the water they form into clumps which the particles stick to and the clumps are subsequently removed from the water taking these microplastic particles with them i didn't know that either but flocculants such as polyacrylamide can themselves become toxic under certain conditions so dr uh, rajani uh srinivasan and colleagues at texas's tolton state university looked it into compounds that would be safer extracted from several food-grade plants. They found that polysaccharides from okra paired with these, those from fenugreek work best at removing plas- microplastics from seawater, while those same okra polysaccharides paired with those from tamarind were best for use on fresh water. Those are two delicious combinations, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okra um, and tamarind. Yeah, both sort of like good sort of Asian, like South Asian curry kind of flavors. Uh, maybe a little bit of... Um, East Asia as well in there with the tamarind and uh, isn't some that Vietnamese. Also a big part of like um, when you're making a michelada, isn't that? Oh yeah, tamarind. Yeah, delicious. So all all in all, depending on factors such as the ratio of the polysaccharides to the water source, the plant-based flocculants performed either as well or as better better than polyacrylamide. And importantly, they could be used in existing water treatment plants without any alterations to the facilities or processes. Scientists are now investigating how well other combinations of plant-derived polysaccharides will work on specific types of plant microparticles in water from a variety of sources. So, cool. good work. It's a good. I mean, there's someone for everyone, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Do you remember when Oprah first came on the scene in the late '80s, and uh, there were like ads sort of playing on the fact that this is probably a name you haven't heard before, and it was like, not okra, Oprah. Does anybody else really? No, uh, oh my gosh, as dirt. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I don't remember, remember that. But, that. Yeah. but like okra is so famous now, you probably have to do it the other way around right. to advertise the vegetable. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, okra. Who knew? Just sitting there, all cute, and look. Man, I am not an okra fan. That's okra, not Oprah. Oprah, you're a huge uh, Oprah fan. I know that. Huge I am. Oprah fan. So just be aware of that if you're ever cooking for both of us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, not a, not a fan of it. Don't like it. I, uh, it's, it's slimy and weird, you know? It's a little slimy. Yeah, I mean, 
I get, what is the actual flavor? I can't like picture what it adds. It's a little spicy. Yeah, a little bit. But it's just it's I'm I'm so uh, textural with food, you know. Yeah. So it's like I don't anything slimy. I don't do mushrooms. Can't do mushrooms. Oh, can't no do mushrooms. Not even like a portobello, like grilled nah, as if it's a I burger. I hate mushrooms. Or hate it. I, I, no. Oh, they I they I, grow to full size overnight. Fungus weird. It's like that's an alien. Get that away from me. <laughs> I think I like the sliminess of the okra. You know, like, like it just feels like it it can go places. Hmm. It's got, you know, it's, it's just got a different thing going. Right. It's not liquid. It's not solid. It's kind of like got this sort of in-between kind of vibe going. It's yeah. like, it's it's like a fifth state of matter, you might say, Matt. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Is that where you were going on? with that? Or did I just take a different segue No, here? jump on in. I think this is a story <laughs> oh. that was emailed into us, but also tweeted at us by Jamie D. Indeed. I will put the link here in the show notes. Um, Andrew Miller emailed this. Yeah. Fifth form of matter experimental protocol for testing the mass energy information equivalence principle. Like you do. Um, Oh wait, this is very dense. Oh no. (laughs) What have we gotten ourselves into? (laughs) Hold on a second. Let me see if I can find, uh, this is, yeah, I was about to find the other version that Jamie tweeted at us, but it was, it is equally long and complicated. (laughs) Oof. You know, maybe we. Uh... I, I'm going to really have lots of thoughts on this one. I'd say, because yeah, this sounds like this sounds like my area. Well, the the, the paraphrased version from Jamie, which he which he t- um, te- tweeted at us, was that information might have mass and could be a new form of matter, maybe. So that that is the paraphrased version. I would, I would say, this seems like a perfect opportunity for us to put it in the show notes and say, listeners. Dig deep. If you if you can follow this, let us know. Well, this, so this the, live the or live science. Oh, go ahead, sir. Uh, the the principle of it is uh, a recent conjecture. It's called the mass energy information equivalence principle, or MEWEEP. Right. Uh, proposed that information is equivalent to mass and energy and exists as a separate state of matter. So, in other words, stored information is mass and can be converted into energy. And a full hard drive is marginally heavier than an empty one. Hmm. So hmm. a second conjecture calculates the total information capacity of the universe's visible matter and by extension, the capacity of each particle. And according to this second conjecture, all elementary particles store some information about themselves. And this stored info contributes to their total mass. Right. So it's it's. It's really, does information have mass? I don't know if it would be... I mean, I guess it would be a new state of matter. I guess. Um, so this whole thing was to make a protocol for that, like to make a formula. Um, and this guy, Vobson, argues that these two conjectures imply the possibility of measuring stored information via a particle-antiparticle collision. He proposed one such experiment, along with a prediction for the released photons. Uh, the prime objective was to identify and develop an experimental protocol suitable for testing the two information conjectures. If particles do contain information, then this needs to conserve upon annihilation, producing some lower energy photons. And I predicted the exact energy of the infrared photons resulting from this information erasure. So, according to the analysis, an electron-positron collision should produce, in addition to two high-energy gamma rays, two infrared photons with wavelengths around 50 micrometers. And uh, that's what kicked this whole thing off. They're like, oh, shit, we got to study this more. 
because um, there's some leftover stuff, and we think it might be information. Mm. Yeah, I, this is some stuff that I've read about, and every time I do, it just breaks my brain. Like particles contain like what is it like their own metadata? Like the album and artist? Like what what does it mean for a particle to have information? You know, it's just yeah. I mean, did we just not intuitive did, to has me? Has this guy accidentally discovered the soul? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like some weight that lifts upon death. Like, is that what's going on here? Is the soul just information? The is that what's happening? Grams or whatever? Do I have to rethink like it, everything now? If you're thinking loads of thoughts, does your head weigh more? That's where I'm going with this. <laughs> That's all I have. I'm really sorry, but I'm thinking no, don't about be it sorry. now. That, that Heavy is out. the head that thinks the thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy is the head that thinks so the So you thoughts. would think that the more memories you have, you'd have a heavier head. Right. I mean, maybe right? so. Maybe by some almost imperceptibly small margin. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start weighing, my, for science, I'm going to start weighing my head. And when I go, you can weigh my head on the last day and see if there's more memories in there that with actual, you know, Well, you have to go get more weight. memories. You have to go take more Ubers and things. And then, <laughs> yeah. listen, then we'll weigh well, listen, your head I'm, again. I'm planning to. You can weigh my head at the end of this week. They say when you die, every Uber ride flashes in front of your eyes. I don't know if you yeah. know. I've heard that. I've totally heard that. Yeah. I'm or so the sorry. I told you guys that, that now. I should never have told you guys that. No, it's very. I mean, I've, I also relate to it because, or don't relate to it. I'm impressed by it because I'm such a, I mean, I guess a pushover or something that I would just put up with it and just go, mm hmm. Or whatever, uh, but it's really like something that you stuck to your guns and were like, eh, don't oh, do this. This isn't okay. No, well, there were there were a couple of deal breakers that I, I didn't want to bring your podcast down with, it, but they involved slavery. So I just oh. I had to get out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, just to be yeah. clear, this is opinions about slavery, not like actual slavery that she was doing. <laughs> no, she wasn't. She wasn't. Though I wouldn't put it past this woman. <laughs> Ubering and the slavery. What what have you got going on? What did you do during the pandemic? Well, I pivoted from my old job <laughs> to, to Ubering and the slavery. It's, it's gig economy. Like everyone's going to be doing whatever they need to do to get right. by. You got to oh, hustle. You got to wake up. You got to hustle. If you're uh, going to be driving, do some human trafficking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, do both. I swear, I swear to you, Andy, I think it would have been a deal breaker for you too. I think you'd have gotten out and okay. walked. <laughs> Good. Because I, I mean, I remember being I in do. a car with Lori Kilmartin. We talked about this on our podcast en route to our show at Sketchfest and we passed this uh, anti-abortion protest and Lori just rolled down the window and just started screaming at the people. <laughs> and I and I was like, I, I would never have the balls to do that. But, you know, I'm on her side on this one. So I'm like, good, good on you, living your values. And, and it's Lori, so she was probably yelling out some pretty impressive and hilarious things. It was. Or at least accurate and scathing things. It was, just, it was yeah. so weird that her kids were in the car, though. <laughs> Like you're just like, what? Mom, what? <laughs> oh, um, man. We should wrap up the main episode and we save should. one little story for uh, one extra story for our bonus uh, for Patreon patrons. Yeah. But Tara, where can our listeners find everything you're doing? You're you're doing some uh, always doing some like impressive things, some uh, oh, some solo uh, shows. I would love, yeah, I've got a solo show coming up. Um, it's a theatre show though, so it'll be hopefully at the end of this year, but it's with an incredible Irish theatre company called This Is Pop Baby. So, um, they're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Tara Flynn IRL in real life for Ireland. Who knows? It's, it's either. It's both. So Tara Flynn IRL. Um, and I'm on a podcast on BBC Sounds with Marion Keyes, the author. So we solve all your problems on Now You're Asking with Marion Keyes and Tara Flynn. Available wherever you get your 
podcasts on BBC Sounds. That's what I'm supposed to say. So there, but they, they it is available elsewhere. But please try BBC Sounds first, everyone. Um, so that's where I'll be for now. But any newer stuff, will I'll let people know on Instagram. Excellent. Thank you for having me, you guys. Yeah, yeah, thank you for doing out. it. As, as always, you can find us at probablyscience.com. That's also where our show notes are, all the stories we cover, and the links to our Patreon and PayPal pages. Thank you very much, everyone who does that, and there'll be an extra bonus story for the Patreon people um, after this. Uh, and also probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. We can find us on Twitter at probablyscience and individually at Jesse Case, at Andy T. Wood, and at Matt Kirshen. Uh, I believe that's all the things. Uh, Facebook slash probably science as well. You can also find us on there. Tara Flynn, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. And see you next time. Bye. Bye.